Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sharing Socks, our... uh somewhat into September edition. Uh, I am uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And for those of you on audio and not video, behind Will is a picture of the big hurt himself because Will's going to turn 35 on Friday. And of course, that is the most famous 35 in White Sox history. One of the most famous 35s in all sports history, I think it'd be right up there. I, I think so. I I was trying I to think. Ricky out. Ricky Henderson uh, had that. That's kind of a match right there. It's also a thirty-five, but there have been very few. Oddly enough, because you would have thought uh, running backs, you would have thought there'd be a lot of famous running backs. Kevin Kevin Durant was thirty-five for a while. Uh, Kevin Durant now, was. He has now switched to number seven. Uh, so he's a big thirty-five, but yeah, Frank Thomas is. Whenever, and I know we're from Chicago, so it's a little biased, but whenever you say 35th birthday, people say Frank Thomas birthday, the baseball (laughs) fans do. So, yeah, big hurt coming for you. Yeah, and he's amazingly, given that early in his career, I don't think he was a well-spoken guy. I tend to be grumpy and a lot of other, he's great on TV. (laughs) He's He's really good. You know, uh, I, I got to say, I've never had uh, any interest in uh, any over-the-counter testosterone-based products. Uh, but Frank Thomas's pitch for Nugenics uh, almost has me sold because the guy's doing great. He's, he's, he's aging well. So maybe we should all be taking Nugenics, whatever the hell that is. Okay. Well, that's good. We're going to uh, – Will wants to get into bulks. 
because apparently that came up. We're, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. That came up Tuesday night's game long after I was asleep because it was West Coast game. Um, and there's something called the, the intentional ball came up. I have a little bulk story that I'm still confused about many decades, well, not many decades, but a decade or two after it came. But first, I want to talk about pitching. Last night, Tuesday night, of all amazing things, Jimmy Lambert pitched well. Pitched very well. Very, very uh, well. Five innings of, of one run ball. But what's more amazing than the five innings of one run ball is he did it on 70 pitches. Now, that's an average of 14 pitches an inning, which is kind of an ideal. I mean, you, you, see, you look at me, how many pitches? I mean, 14 is really great. Well, it turns out 15 is really great these days. 14 used to be really great, but, you know, that there's more selective, three true outcomes, blah, 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 drags it out. So we get more pitches per inning. The best in the majors is Adam Wainwright at 14.7. Wow. So having, having a pretty That's good the year. best? Wow. That's the best. All the right. best in the American League is Zach Wheeler at 14.9. They're only about three guys under. Now, an interesting thing that I found out looking up this stuff is how few pitchers are what we call qualified this year. To be a qualified pitcher, meaning qualified for the Cy Young Award, yeah. you have yeah. to have one inning pitched for each of your team's number of games so 162 innings now you figure 30 teams almost every team has i think pretty every team has a five pitcher rotation starting rotation occasional fill-ins but five rotations so that's 150 of those 150 only 45 are qualified pitchers as of yesterday when i looked this up that's because you know if you only throw five innings and you only throw every fifth day, you can't miss a turn or you're not qualified. And that's a lot of that going on. Even if you go six innings, you better not miss more than one or two turns along in there or have one bad game where you leave in the third. This is actually (laughs) interesting uh, because uh, I'm going to speak to this point real quick before you keep going. Uh, uh, Someone came, came back and responded to me, not, not mean or anything on, on Twitter because I was talking about the overworking of the pitchers and Somebody came back like, oh, you're wrong because Lynn and Rodon don't even qualify as, as starters this year. They don't, they don't even count at the rate they're going. And I was like, that's true based on innings. But if you look at number of pitches thrown, Lynn is in the top 50, Rodon's in the top 75. So it tells you a lot that they are not qualified in terms of innings but they are, they would be in terms of pitches thrown, which I think only bolsters our pitchers are overworked argument that these guys are only going five innings and they're still throwing 100 pitches. I I agree with us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you get Garrett Cole and you'd say, well, they throw, our Sox pitchers throw a lot because they strike out a lot of people. Zach Wheeler leads the league in strikeouts and he's at 14.9. Garrett Cole all the way up to 16.1. I looked at Zach, Zach Granke as, as the idea of an old pro, although Wainwright certainly fits that as well, uh, and where he is, and then he's at a, a, a 15.06, so right around 15. But out of the 45 qualified pitchers, we have three, uh, and Lynn and Rodon are not the, any of the three. 
the best for the Sox is 35th. Lucas Giolito averages 16.51 pitches per inning. That's 35th out of 45. Dallas Keuchel, granted, not as much wear and tear on the arm, but 37th at 16.57. And dead last in all major league pitchers who would qualify for the Cy Young or whatever award, Dylan Cease, uh, by quite a margin, at 17.777. I'm going to throw you another stat real quick that I just coincident. Our brains must have been... Uh, in the same wavelength this week as as father and son, because I was actually falling down stat rabbit holes about this sort of same thing. Dylan Cease has thrown the fifth most pitches in the majors this year. Lucas Giolito has thrown the seventh most pitches in the majors this year. That is wild. And that goes back to my stat that the, the Sox pitchers go from pitches to innings. No, it is pitches. They've thrown a hundred or more pitches in the start. Far more often, when I look, this goes back sometime, it was 38, and number it'll be over 40 now, but far more than anybody else. It was like 38 to 31, which was second place, and that was the Reds. And the league average was 15. So the pitchers have really been heavily used. And do we see a problem with that right now? Well, we certainly see a problem with Carlos Rabon. Uh, it's surprising, and to his credit, we have not seen it really with Dylan Cease because he's already pitched more innings than in the last two years combined. Uh, Lynn and Giolito, of course, have been heavy, heavily used when they were having you know, 60 games last year, but still heavily used in rotation and, and whatnot. Uh, but they too, you know, Giolito's injury obviously has nothing to do with uh, overwork. I mean, that was just freak accident of stepping wrong when he yeah, was trying yeah. to throw. Lynn, I, th- I think Lynn's good. Could be, you know, because he had two different things. First, we go to the shoulder, and then we go to the knee. Well, maybe the knee's because the shoulder was hurt, and he's stepping funny, or they're, you know, doing something out of the usual in, in his motion. Um, I really worry, and, and, and I think it's a good thing. And somehow we won with the Jimmy Lambert game, which is great. But I think it's a good thing that these guys are on the IL now. Or in oh, of course. Case, not, not strictly on the IL, but for all practical purposes, the IL, because he's, he's been out for a couple of turns. Um, I think it's a very good thing. Uh, there was last night uh, during the portion before I went to sleep, uh, Stoney and the God awful, God awful. God, Beckham was a terrible baseball player. I mean, by major league standards, he is a worse announcer. Quarterback, <laughs> is a terrible announcer. But they got into well, it's really important to get the home home field advantage because with Houston, the, the, the situation. So, Sox are the worst. They're 500 on the road this year, and that includes sweeping Baltimore and Texas and a bunch of other things. Uh, they're the worst road team by far of anybody who's got any likelihood of making the playoffs. Flip side of that is they're the best home team by far of any team that's likely to make the playoffs. Maybe not by far over Tampa Bay, but over anybody else. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you've got that balance it out. Do we use our pitchers? Do we go for the home field? You and I have talked before. We both agree it's better to – it's more important that our pitchers be rested, that our starting pitchers all be able to pitch in the postseason for one thing. Uh, but that they be in good shape when they do it. 
I, I stand by that as well. I think if, if you talk about a scenario where you're trying to get home field, so you keep pitching all these guys, it doesn't matter if you're home, if your pitchers have nothing left. It truly does not matter. If you go in hobbling, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're the home team or the road team. It, it, it just doesn't. If we have to throw Jimmy Lambert and Ronaldo Lopez in, in early playoff games because our other guys are hurt or be down, we're out. We're just out. We can't even throw Jimmy Lambert. He's not eligible. <laughs> exactly. So it, it is a situation where I, I think 100% you still have to rest these guys. They have been overworked. I know that I am not wrong about this because the Larusa stands on Twitter have not defended Tony overworking the pitchers as much as they defend him on everything else on the planet. And it is a huge concern. Now, the plus side is we have a big lead. We're getting good games out of Ronaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert. So we can rest these guys. I don't think you sit them all for the rest of the year, of course, but I think we're at September 8th. The season's going to end what October 3rd or something like that. And so you got a little under a month. I honestly think you throw Keiko for all of his starts because you're not going to use him in the playoffs. So just use him to eat up innings. You pitch Lopez, you pitch Lambert when you can. And that's, those are the three guys that you are going to throw the most during the month of September. Then I fill in I wish, with the other four. Uh, I really miss Steve Stone on his Rosh Hashanah break, and I think he should be back tonight. Maybe I think Rosh Hashanah ended Tuesday night. Uh, because I would love to see his pitcher's interpretation of some of the things that happened in the past week. Uh, notably, what has gone on with Michael Kopech? I, I wrote, I, I happened to cover that, that game where Kopech was pretty much annihilated, and uh, it just happened a few times. And I, I wrote he looked tired, and somebody uh, in the comment section, fair comment, goes, well, he's throwing 99. How could he be tired? I don't think, yes, you can lose miles off your fastball if you're tired, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything if you're at the same speed because he looks when he's, Good, what we might call easy heat. You know, the, the kind of thing you associate more with lefties. I, I associate it well historically with with Sandy Kopech, but for White Sox, uh, more recently, Matt Thornton. Matt Thornton never looked like he was doing anything but playing catch. And yet, Chris Sale. Chris Sale is a good example too. And Sale kind of comes flying off the mound though, uh, but uh, afterward, sure. but. Kopech just looks that same way. It was just ease. You know, it's 100 miles an hour, and I'm I'm just cruising. He didn't look like that. He hasn't looked like that the last few times. It looks like I'm throwing hard, which means you're not throwing with the same accuracy. Yeah, it uh, means your your command is is not the same as it was before. So I I totally agree with you about Kopech being tired. Yes, you could still throw 100 miles an hour if you're tired. You're just not going to throw it effectively. And big leaguers can hit 100-mile-an-hour pitches if they're not thrown effectively. There is really, there's really no speed of pitch that a major league hitter can't hit if it's not moving. They, they can hit anything that's coming in on a straight line. Their instincts and their reaction times are so ingrained in them at this point. The thing is, if it moves, even 
an inch two inches at a hundred and or a hundred and one or ninety nine then it becomes extremely difficult <laughs> and sometimes with Kopech, we see him throwing a hundred miles an hour that's moving four inches five inches six inches and that's what made him look like everyone says that he looks like a video game guy uh because they let you control the ball like that video games and he had that kind of control well now i think he's gassed so he's having to put so much more into just getting the speed that it's making him put the ball in places that it's a lot easier to hit or he's throwing the ball out of the strike zone so i i think you can be absolutely gassed and still throw 99 miles an hour it's not necessarily just about speed it's about command and control and he is he's losing that and it, it's not Kopech's fault you know he's he's not he's barely played baseball for the last few years so it, it's definitely a situation where he is you know pitching in the summer heat the heat this year has been relentless it feels like but not only on the west coast but all over the country and we don't have the humidity here um but it, it's definitely one of those things where these guys are just flat out tired and that's not the way you want to go into October. You don't want to go limping across that finish line. You want to go soaring across it. And if that means you eat dirt for, you know, the next 10 days, then you do it. And you throw a bunch of slubs and you bring up guys from Charlotte who otherwise would never have pitched in a major league game. You know, you do whatever you do, whatever you can to rest these starters and even some of the relievers. And if you lose, these games, you lose these games. I, I think home field advantage for us at this point feels unrealistic in a lot of ways. So I well, think it's only the, a game difference, and, and Houston has a tougher schedule. So it's true. It's true. Room. But I think it's unrealistic in that we have all of our pitchers going on the IL all the time just to get them back up to speed. And I think at some point you do have to make the decision, okay, we're going to try for home field or we're going to try to have a completely healthy rotation on October 4th. And I would absolutely take the latter. You're nothing without those pitchers. The White Sox cannot win without those pitchers. Absolutely not. They're going to be going up against some very, very tough rotations and they need to be rested and ready they have to be pitching at their absolute best in october and i think that will offset you know some of the some of the the discrepancies we're seeing here but let's take a quick break um and we will come back i want to talk uh, a bit about something jason brought up last night which is intentional balks which uh you know our lovely guest announcer gordon beckham who you know is terrible was as surprised as i was on as I was hearing it live, to hear that this is a trend now. Um, so we will take a quick break and we will come back uh, just a second on Sharing Socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We uh, spent some time talking about, uh, you know, our pitchers who we spent most of this season actually on this podcast praising how they're all healthy and they're all doing well <laughs> and no one's tired. And now they all seem to be pretty gassed. Uh, oh, but, let me very quickly, before you get into the subject you want, because I didn't bring up Lynn and Rodon, who are not qualified, but I, I did the math. I put numbers down and divided and everything. They are worse in pitches per inning than Keichel and Giolito, who, remember, were near the bottom. They're they're better than Cease, so they're not at the bottom, but they're uh, 16.67, 16.72, uh, Rodon and Lynn, respectively. And you know, you're just talking. You're just talking one pitch in inning, but boy, it adds up. Uh, you know, one, one and a half, two pitches in in, in uh, Cease's case over the low. And you also have to in keep inning. in mind that those are guys who were not throwing that many pitches earlier in the year. So while you're saying, oh, 16.7, they're probably in the last two months at around 18. And it's just it, offset. It's just, yeah, it seems so often that a Sox pitcher is in the fifth and he's, he's, and he's on pitch 95. It, it's it, every game. It's every game now. I mean, it, it legitimately is. You're watching Sox games right now wondering if the starter makes it through five. And that's a really bad place. That's a really dangerous place to be in September. Um, Bulks. Let's go to Bulks. All right. So this is interesting. And I, I thought it was a weird topic that you would find interesting to talk about today. Uh, so Jason mentioned that pitchers have been, uh, intentionally balking players in extra innings. And so the scenario is, you know, that we have a runner on second and when the visiting team has scored more than their pretty much given run that we give people now in extra innings, uh, in the 10th, if they come out and they score, you know, three or four runs, then the pitchers in the bottom half of the inning have been intentionally balking the runner on second over to third at the beginning of the inning so that they don't have to change their signs. (laughs) That's great. Isn't that wild? And Beckham, as well as I, we were both saying they're intentional balks? What? And it is a hundred. I mean, they got that little thing in their hat. And they can't. They can't look at the little thing I mean, until they, they ban got that hat thing. But they should until yeah. they ban looking in your hat to say, "Oh yeah, if there's a guy on second, it should be the third sign." I mean, until they ban that, what difference does it make? Well, I, I think there are. Uh, I think there are some valuable things to it. As a former pitcher, who was of course nowhere near major league level, but I had to experience similar situations. If I'm up by four and I need three outs and there's a guy on second, if I send him over to third, I don't really have to care about him anymore. <laughs> no, I, I don't have to hold him. I don't have to spend time pretending I'm going to. You can do a windup if you want. You can do a windup. It, it actually gives you a lot of advantages. And in the era in which sign stealing is 
apparently just a massive issue. I, I feel like we add 15 minutes to every Major League Baseball game right now just from catchers coming out and saying, no, no, I was on this set of signs. Well, pull out your card. No, see, I was on that one. Oh, you're on that one? I was doing this one. No, we got to do this one. And then the catcher goes back, and then the pitcher calls off two pitches, and then the catcher comes back out and says, no, 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 you were on this one. I was on this one. I I think it's really interesting. And I got to say, I like the move. Because if you're up four runs, who gives a crap about that guy on second? If you're up three runs, who gives a crap about that guy on second? If he is going to mess with your head and mess with your signs or cause you to have to pitch from the stretch instead of a windup, get him over to third. Who cares? He doesn't matter as a run. I would much rather have the guy on third and know that I can bring my best stuff for the rest of this inning than to be hung up with all those looks over to second, which, you know, for Sox pitchers these days are meaningless anyway. They're they're never going to pick anyone off there. Um, so I was wondering what you think. They're, about they're never going to hold anybody ball. there. Never going to hold anyone. Never. Yeah, it's it. That is a, a real weakness of both our starters and relievers is holding people on. It it goes on the catcher's record and all that, but the poor catchers, um, they don't have a chance. No. These guys are gone. Uh, interesting. A couple of things on balls. We had a ball called on somebody the other night. Matt mm-hmm. Foster, maybe. Yeah, it was Foster. Uh, for, for doing a, a little tiny forward step, which is illegal. I mean, it, it was a proper ball call. Uh, but it's interesting that he does it, that he did it. Why? Why? Who knows? But one of the things that it led me to, because it was kind of a jittery thing rather than a real deception move, is that so many pitchers that you see now, and I think Hendricks does this. We have guys who do it, but seen many opponents do it, and I don't remember it historically come down to the theoretically set position and they're they're, they're like this mm-hmm. like oh I'm so nervous I'm throwing a baseball well they're not really so nervous they're throwing a baseball they're cheating because what they're doing is, is messing with the batter's timing yeah, maybe they'll do it even if it's just a stretch and and not a guy on base that messing with the messing with the base runner that's illegal the whole idea of the set position is that you are set. For a well, and and they have become extremely lenient on what constitutes a second, because oh, yeah. you look at you look at guys like uh, James Karinchak on uh, Cleveland, and he gets up there, and it's different every time, always moving, and his his knees are going, his knees are moving, his hands are moving, and then his second is about this fast. <laughs> That's all it is. Every single time he pitches, I'm like, every pitch is a balk. Every pitch is a balk. And Dylan Cease does it now, too. Dylan Cease, clearly it works for him, so I'm not hating on it. But he is now doing this thing where he gets his call and then just continues to be moving his glove. And I don't know if you know this, but he bobs his head the entire time before he pitches the ball now. It's really, so it's part of his like saying yes to the sign. And then he's just still saying yes. Even when he's looking at runners a second, if he's got to pick someone off or looking over his shoulder, he's bobbing his head. I guess technically head movements are. No, but he's, but he's bringing his, he's flipping his glove. But if he's moving his hands too. I mean, it's, it it should not be allowed at all. It's so strange. I I, I mean, I got bulks called on me. Uh, where I feel like I, I would breathe 
in the wrong direction. And they would say, oh, that's a ball. And now I had a guy like they're not ball. even real. When I when I was coaching, one of my players, one of my pitchers, got called for bulk. And I go, what? What 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 did he do? I didn't never saw him move. You know, ask them what, what happened. I mean, it's, it wasn't a close game. We were way ahead. It wasn't an argumentative thing. I just wanted to know. And and he said he had his hands too low. Now I've seen major league pitchers, and so have you, whose set position is anywhere from the groin to the face. And the rules say in front of your body, including your face. Now that's major league rules. We operated under Ohio High School Athletic Association rules, uh, which could be different, but I still don't believe it. I've looked up I looked up umpire sites. I've just did it today again to make sure that it hasn't snuck in there about the hands. This guy was saying you had to have your hands at least at just like letters. And you know, and it, it doesn't make sense. I, I think it makes sense that you want them there really, because then there's less movement and less time for the batter to adjust or the runners to adjust on your movement. Uh, and but you see major league players right in front of their face. Garrett Crochet, you can't even see his face when he's in a set. Oh position. yeah, that's that seems uh, like that's and and anywhere down to just a very relaxed down down at the groin layer, just hanging as long as your hands are together and the ball's in there. It can even be in your mitt, not your glove. It doesn't matter as long as your hands are together. Um, so I never understood that one. Now you can't go down and have your arms just hanging down belt level or below and then bring them up to your chest because that's that's a double set that's yeah. illegal that's a bulk but he he never suggested this kid was doing that he just said his hands are too low i said what too <laughs> low I, that I, is yeah i i never heard it before or since i i have no idea and, and why that particular umpire on that particular day with that particular pitcher on that particular pitch decided <laughs> answer too low. I have no idea. But I, I don't my think it's my really guess on that, my guess on that would be on the previous pitch, the pitcher threw the ball right in the zone, the ump called it a ball, and the pitcher gave a look like, hmm, I don't know about that. <laughs> so then the umpire was like, Your hands are too low, your hands are too low, that's a bulk. And then he, of course he's correct in assuming none of us have read the rules. So he could just say Oh, it says in the rule book, you can't have your hands that low. That's crazy to me because a very common place for pitchers to start through my entire lifetime is to have the hands sort of cradling, resting uh, below the hips, like sort of in oh, the yeah. groin area. Yeah, just, I, just kind of straight down, straight down, just lying there very nice and loose. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of such a thing. That's crazy. I, I hadn't before or since, and and, and but we did, man, and the, we just pros, say it wasn't a close game. We just laughed about it, but uh, it was I, awesome. it's one of those things where you know how every every year in the NBA, there's like a new way to not travel while you're headed to the hoop. Like somehow I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing like 42 steps, but somehow someone else is seeing two. Uh, or or three. And, and, and the NBA, you can hop in something like a Mini Cooper. Yeah. And and drive to the hoop in that. I, and you, but I feel like that is our ball thing in Major League Baseball now. These guys are doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and yet they almost never get called for a bulk. And now we're at a point where we're going to intentionally bulk. Uh, it's it's so strange. But I actually, I you know, to to 
finish up on that topic, I I was I think it's pretty smart. I think it's a smart move because this this starting with a runner on second thing is so freaking stupid. And of course, we're going to not see it in the playoffs. I believe they won't do it in the playoffs. I don't think you start no. with someone on. No. Uh, so it's not something that we have to think about later in key moments of, oh, do you bulk the guy over in the ALCS? No, you don't. Um, but I think it is a really interesting thing. Uh, it, it's a smart and what, what, what did they do? Did, he, did, he say, did Jason say what they specifically do? I mean, there are many, many, many bulk moves, some of which do not get called, as we've just discussed, never get called. Uh, I guess the most blatant one would be to stand on the rubber Come to your set position, just drop the ball. <laughs> that I'm, one's got to call. <laughs> I'm sure it can even be anything of like coming up and then just faking a throw to home. You know, that's a ball. You can't do that. So <laughs> I, I I haven't actually seen this happen, I don't think. Um, but I very much trust Benetti to have observed it. Sure. Um, and, and he went in depth about it. It wasn't like, oh, he saw it once. And he was like, no, this is a thing people are doing now. Uh, and I, I actually love it. I think as a pitcher, there's nothing more distracting and frustrating than having a runner on second. I don't know why having a runner on first, especially at my level, which was not, you know, high, high level baseball, um, having a runner on first, you, you should be most concerned about that because people steal on you almost every time at that level, unless you have a good catcher. Um, which ours was fine, Michael Murphy, if you're listening. Uh, but they're gonna, they're most likely gonna steal on you at some point. But having a runner on second was just always so, it's so distracting because you completely take your eyes off the target in the process of getting ready to throw. That check in at second base. It was is so weirdly distracting and detrimental, even though you know they're probably not going to steal third because you only needed a mediocre catcher to catch guys stealing at third base. I, I think it's a great move. I If I was in a low leverage situation, had a comfortable lead, I would actually go back to those times pitching in high school and I would bulk those guys over to third. Because then if you're right-handed, you're looking right at them. And you can wind up again. And I, I know a lot of pitchers actually prefer to throw from the stretch now. But I was always a wind-up guy because my mechanics were 100% stolen from watching tape of Pedro Martinez. And he, I watched the wind-up over and over and over and over. And I just wanted to do the wind-up. I hated pitching from the stretch. So any chance I could get to be in the wind-up instead, I, I honestly... If a guy got on and we had a lead, I didn't care if he scored if it got me back to the windup because I, I just didn't want to throw in the stretch. My chances of giving up more hits from the stretch are just way more likely. So I'm I'm on board with the intentional bulk. You heard it here. I think intentional bulking should become a part of this game. Uh, I hope they get rid of the shift before they get rid of the intentional bulk. Uh, because well, I, the next I step, like though, there, there's the next step, and that's where – the team, the batting team, declines the ball. <laughs> yes, right. It's true. And and maybe they should be allowed to do that. But, of course, then you know they're stealing signs. If, if they're ever like, I don't want to go to third, then it's like, <laughs> see, see, you're stealing them. You jerk. You bastard. 
uh, which of course it's completely legal to do it that way. I mean, you can, if you can pick up on the signs and relay oh, them to the batter, you can read them yourself from second base. That's, that's fine. I, I do think that a lot, and I'll, inter- I'll be interested to hear what you think. I do think that a lot of these guys, and this is when I had this thought, Eloy was on second the other day and the, they just kept having to reboot their signs. And I just thought, man, you guys, are putting so much faith in the intellect of Aloy Jimenez standing on second base that not only can Aloy decipher the signs, but get the sign to the batter in time. I just think Aloy is on second base thinking, baseball's cool. I love being on second. Baseball's <laughs> so fun. I'm going to try to score if I can. Hope I don't get hurt. But if I do, whatever. I feel like that's Eloy's inner monologue at second base. And yet we're cycling through eight different types of signs because Eloy could be stealing them. Uh, I, I just don't know that that many guys are. are no, no, let, us, let us know you're not knocking Eloy's intelligence factor. He has intelligence. No, his I'm, mind is elsewhere, as it should I'm, be. Yeah, I'm sure his. And just the speed involved in having to relay these things. I just think Eloy is having too much fun. <laughs> I think a lot of guys on second are, are actually thinking about not getting picked off of second and what they're going to do on the next play. That focusing really hard to try to decipher what a guy has up against his his crotch from 120 feet away, uh, I, I just don't know how much of it is happening. And, and I could be totally wrong. So what do you think there's – do you think there's that much – uh, accurate sign stealing coming from base runners at second and relaying them to the batter in time? Well, you, you often hear an announcer, uh, and, and I think both Stoney and Jason will say this, and announcers and, and uh, national announcers or whatever, that uh, they're particularly leery of a catcher on second base, which makes sense. The uh, catcher makes sense because a catcher is also not going to lead off much is probably not going to score on anything but a double. So the catcher really actually could focus a lot more on what's going on at home plate and has the knowledge of, you know, how the intricacies of all those sign systems likely work. But really, anyone else? It, and, of course, nobody, I think, is going to leave their catcher on second base in the top of the tenth situation when they could pinch run instead so oh a hundred percent yeah you're you're absolutely not leaving a catcher out there i just i i don't know and it it could be left over it could be like a sort of ptsd from the astros and their hd cameras and trash cans uh and i know that this has always been a thing that that runners take stealing signs at second has always been a thing forever oh yeah And and it's all about how to avoid them uh but it's just interesting to me that it it seems like teams are extremely paranoid about it now, to the point that they're balking guys intentionally. I I mean, it, does that seem right to you? I I, I really I, I think about this a lot whenever there's a runner on second and they're the, so hung the, up on. It. At, at the amateur end of the of the. Um of the whole lineup here down way down from the major leagues to the amateurs, uh, teen amateurs. I once had a, an opposing manager come over to me, nice guy. And he said, you might want to tell your catcher 
that he should put his signs a little higher up. Because from where I'm coaching at third, I can see his fingers. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I, I think that that's a perfectly uh, reasonable thing to be paranoid about is a young uh, 13-year-old catcher putting his fingers in the wrong place for the signs. I'm not as concerned. These sign combinations, I see I see Yasmani's hands down there when there's a guy in second going. And then, for those of you who can't see this, I am making 8 million gestures with my hands right now before the pitcher says, yes, I know what you said. And I'm like, really? You know what he just called? This is incredible. And then they're worried about the guy on second knowing. And I'm like, how the heck could he possibly know? How, how does he even know what Grandall was doing with his hands all the way down there? I'm watching it in HD from the comfort of my couch, and I can't tell you what's going on. But, you know, these guys, are they're also pros for a reason. And they, they have years and years of experience of deciphering these things. Uh, but it, it just seems weird to me. Anyway, I think that's pretty much all the time we have for this week. Uh, do you got any final thoughts for us, Geezer, as we head forward? We're headed, uh, got a couple more games against Oakland, and then Boston is coming to town. Uh, so, uh, any, and then any, after that, basically the season's over, except for uh, pretty much gimmies. So, yeah, which is really great. Uh, it's, it's really nice. And, well, it'll be interesting to see what kind of damage we can do to Boston. We're going to have Chris Sale, I think, on Sunday. Uh, I think so. And he's a lefty, and we eat lefties, so it would be very nice to give Chris We don't Sale eat a... really good lefties, though. But... We, mediocre lefties we destroy. Well, let's hope he brings it, uh, <laughs> brings his mediocre stuff. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about all the games we're playing against AAA teams for the remainder of the season. Um, you got one last thing to say? I, I, I see you. Oh, like ha- happy birthday. Oh, yes, and a, a very happy Frank Thomas, 35th to the West Coast Southsider. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time on Sharing Side.